Coming up next on Ready to Lead. My husband and I adopted our, our two kids from India. And when we first brought them home, our son, who was two, had never really been held. They didn't mm. want to hold him at the orphanage. And he did not trust anyone. He had trusted men more than women. He really didn't trust me. Mm. And, and so I had, for, for three months, he would not look me in the eye wow. because he didn't trust me. He did not believe that I would be there for him no matter what, because mm. no one ever had been. Mm. And so the way I got him to trust me, it was consistency over time and even just the smallest things. I would take Cheerios to feed him and just hold them in front of my eye to get him to look at me wow. just for a split second so he could see, I am going to give you what you need. And it was doing that consistently for three months that he finally was able to hold eye contact with me. And then he was able to mimic my facial expressions. And then he wouldn't push me away when I actually tried to hold him. Oh. And, and it's this picture of the way you build attachment and show other people that you'll be there for them is in the small things done consistently over time when the person needs you and you show up the way you say you're going to show up. Welcome to Ready to Lead, a show that gives you, the leader, tools, tips, and insights you need to grow your team, your company, and yourself. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Ready to Lead podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm your host, Jeff Mask, and I'm so excited to be here today with not Richard, although I love Richard, but it's different today. Today, we're with Kimberly Holmes, who is the CEO of Marriage Helper. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kimberly. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. How are you, Jeff? So happy, so stoked, and seriously giddy to get to interview with you and interview you and learn from you as everybody else will. If you haven't heard of Kimberly, you got to Google her. She's, do, she's doing awesome stuff. I mean, think of just the business name in and of itself, Marriage Helper. Being married for 21 years, I was like, yeah, I need all the help I can get. We, I think we all do. Right? All and, do. All right. <laughs> but also just your track record of, of what you do and how many marriages you've helped. I just, I think it's phenomenal. I think it's super noteworthy and powerful and might be having people going right now. Okay. So why is an expert on marriages and helping people in their marriage be happy, be on a leadership podcast? Glad you asked. We're going to talk mostly today about relationships and leadership and, and all the different facets of leadership, because too often, in my opinion, the way that we invest in relationships, whether at work or at home are very similar. And, and I wanted to bring on a relationship expert, a marriage expert. I'm not saying your marriage is perfect or you're perfect, Kimberly, don't worry, but you have done a lot of research. You've been a part of a lot of real world applications of workshops and so forth and seen so many lives transformed because of your expertise in investing in relationships and seeing what comes of that. So I'm super excited to have you on with us. I, honestly, I'm, I'm overjoyed. Thank you again. Thank you for having me on. I, I am passionate about this subject because I believe that the way we are in relationships is the way we are in other relationships. And so when we have a great marriage, we are better able to go out and be better leaders because we are actually implementing the tools and behaviors needed to be a great leader at work when we're doing that at home. And 
it can be hard. Relationships are hard. Mm -hmm. Marriage is hard. Mm -hmm. I hate that there is so much shame and stigma around admitting that and around getting help for your marriage. But at Marriage Helper, we are setting out to to just take that over and say there is no shame. This is this is where hope and help happens. Wow. And and so we're all about spreading hope, giving hope and teaching people the principles and the tools that they can implement to see change for the better inside of their marriages and every other relationship they have because the principles work in every relationship. So good. So good. So if you're listening right now and you're married, you're thinking, oh, perfect. This is great. If you're not married, you may have already checked out. What I want to invite you to do is think whether you're married or not, relationships are universal and we all have them to what extent and how deep and how healthy is totally up to us and, and those with whom we associate. But these principles that we'll talk about today are universally applicable, whether we're married or not. And everyone on this podcast listening, for the most part, if not everyone, is leading at some capacity. So this is going to be totally relevant for you. So buckle up. This is going to be a great ride. I invite you to grab something to write with. If you are running right now, this might be a time for you to maybe pause. But honestly, I can I already can tell there are going to be a few things you'll want to write down. And you know me, I'll ask you at the end to implement one thing at least. So be ready for that. So let's jump in. I want to really dive in and back up a little bit just to who you are. So if you could, Kimberly, in your own words, kind of tell us what you do and why you shared a little bit. But when someone asks you, hey, what do you do and, and why do you do it? What's, what's kind of your natural quick response that you give for people? I lead a company that saves marriages. Hmm. And that's typically when people look at me and think, what? <laughs> because that's a very <laughs> strong statement. But but it's true. So first of all, I'm not the one who saves the marriages. We have amazing team members, amazing people. We have a process that works hmm. and has over a 70% success rate at saving marriages. Wow. Now, to put that in perspective, I was trained as a marriage and family therapist. I have friends that are counselors. I love therapy when it's, when it's good therapists and good counselors. Mm-hmm. But even the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapy touts a 30 to 50% success rate at mm-hmm. saving marriages. And when you put that in perspective, what we do and how we do it is life-changing. And we just last year were able to serve 10,000 marriages and wow. we are on a mission to serve even more. I mean, our our trajectory and our growth is we are passionate about champion, championing marriage. We are passionate about what strong families and strong marriages does for society, does for businesses. And so our goal is to take over the world with hope for great relationships. So that is what I do. I lead this team that does amazing work. You have me gritting from ear to ear. <laughs> so good. I love how naturally that just load and how passionate and authentic you are with that. Thank you. It's just so good. So, so why here? How did you land where you are right now? You, you mentioned you, you sounds like I've actually researched you, you have a master's, you then implemented that in therapy and, and then you did a few roles. Like you're the CEO now. How did you go did from that- what you, yeah, that, that's not a normal transition. I guess there's nothing normal about transitions, right? But it's not common, I should say. So help us. How'd you get where you were? Sure. Absolutely. So to understand how I got to where I am and how Marriage Helper started, we need to go back about 35 years. Wow. The founder of Marriage Helper, his name is Dr. Joe Beam. And in the mid-1980s, he was a very successful speaker. 
And just to put it in perspective, he was so successful that his speaking schedule was booked five years out. Wow. Five years. And crazy. And, and so he, he was just speaking all around America, doing all these things. He was married, had two young girls at the time, and ended up falling in love with another woman and divorced his wife and mm. left her and his kids. And they were divorced for three years. And during those three years, he would tell you himself if he was sitting here that he went from being this, this person that everyone looked up to, role model. He was actually a, a preacher. So he was a man of faith. He became a drug addict, an alcoholic, wow. started going to strip clubs, became a person that he never would have thought he would be. Lost all of his friends, clearly lost his role as a pastor. <laughs> And and was left with nothing, went bankrupt, living out of his car. Wow. And, and through that time, he actually almost died from blood alcohol poisoning. Remembered being in the hospital and being on that bed where they said, you are probably not going to make it through the night. And that was when he he simply prayed and said, God, I know I haven't been near to you in a while. But if I make it through this, I'm going to turn it around. Wow. He lived. He and a, several months later, he actually called his ex-wife back and asked her if she would take him back. And everyone in her life said, do not do it. Right. Can't trust him. Can't do it. And she said, I knew at heart that he was a good person who had done some very bad things. Hmm. But I believed it was worth trying to make it work to know that I have done everything that it could take. And especially for our two girls. And so she took him back, even though they did not love each other. They loved each other as people, but they were not in love mm -hmm. when they remarried. Mm -hmm. Almost divorced again, but were committed this time to figuring out how to make it work. And they did. And so as a celebration of their second marriage, their remarriage to each other, they decided to have a third child. And that child is me. Wow. I am passionate about marriages, about putting marriages back together, about reconciliation, because I literally would not be on this earth if it weren't for two people trying to make it work and being committed to put it back together. And so, again, like I never even thought then I would go into the quote unquote family business in the 19, late 1990s. My parents said, we want to create something to help people not experience the pain of what we experienced. Mm -hmm. Because the other part of this, Jeff, is I have a I have two older sisters who experienced divorce right. with the same parents that I have. And I've never experienced my parents' divorce. Mm. And you can see how it affected us differently. And so my parents were passionate about helping families. He, my dad, to this day, remembers hearing my middle sister, Joanna, just praying that God would put her mom and dad back together. Mm. And it breaks his heart. It breaks my heart when I think about my sister praying that before I was even born. But so they created this workshop in, the 19, in 1999. It's been around for 21 years. Two research studies have shown that it has over a 70% success rate. And when, when I entered into, into the business, which was just part-time, and while I was getting my marriage and family therapy degree, I was seeing the amazing change happening in these three-day workshops. And I was seeing the frustration happening in my room one-on-one -on -one with clients. And I said, you know what? I can scale this. Like this needs to be known. This workshop that has this amazing success rate, this is what we need to help people get into. We need to give more people hope. 
And that's how I got caught up in the vision <laughs> of Narachilper. I'm so glad I asked. <laughs> I, I, had, I had no idea any of those details. You I did may, it? No, I, I may I may have shed a, a tear or two during during that. And I tried to hold it together because I, I thankfully I'm not on video when you're listening, but I'm an ugly crier. But I digress. But seriously, like the, the power of that personal story is off the charts. That that was real and super valuable. And I'm glad also you mentioned uh, one of your sisters as well, because my mind went to how are they doing? Because you're right. Their life definitely was very dramatically affected, very differently than yours, but yep. both affected and both learning and growing. So, whew, wow, that that was a story. Thank you for sharing that. And Thank you for letting us get to know you better. Uh, we can tell why you do what you do. It's, it's a very personal, powerful purpose that I feel that is, that is really, really inspiring. So thank you. I, I'm curious, I just, just to get to know you a little bit better as well, I'm curious about your growth as a business since you took over a CEO, how many years ago? Five, six years ago, roughly? Yeah, it was 2015, so six okay. years ago. Okay. You have 4X'd your company's growth. 5X'd, yes. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> my bad. I'm so glad he corrected me. So how? Like, what was your secret sauce? What, what did you do to, what vision did you see to, to go down that path? Yeah. So when, when I started working, before I became CEO, but when I started working at Marriage Helper, which was several years before that, Marriage Helper had a service that worked. We had a workshop that had an amazing success rate. And no marketing whatsoever. Everything mm. then was word of mouth. And it was, I mean, when I started working there, my dad was struggling with do we shut down or not? Because it was not profitable. It mm. was, I mean, it was in the red. My dad was literally, he uh, went, it, he remortgaged his house several times mm. just because he knew this was needed. Yeah. He cared so much about the the families and the children. And so and so I that's what got me at first passionate about how do we how do we get this known to more people? And so I had a psychology background and I said, I'm just gonna dive into marketing. Like we'll figure out how to how to get this in front of people. And so we started the email list and started sending emails and and actually the 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 sister company to scalable digital marketer is where I first met Ryan and Richard, and they mm. helped me a ton then in learning how to do that. And we started seeing amazing growth because I like to say there was nowhere to go but up. I mean, right. <laughs> technically it could have shut down. Thank God it did it. But there was, there was something amazing to work with, and I just had to figure out how to tell people about it. Yeah. And so we experienced 100, I mean, 100% growth for two years in a row then. Mm -hmm. and, and then it was at that time I... I, I say became CEO. I say that in air quotes because I feel like when I became CEO, there was four of us. I mean, it didn't matter then. Like it was just a title. And right. now we have 75 people and it's crazy to see how much we've grown in six years. But, but it, it was the, the growth was we have to get this to people because it's needed. Yeah. And so we've always been an organization driven by mission, driven by client, driven by the stakes are high here. It is divorce. That is what's mm. on the other side of people not knowing about this. And we know the emotional and mental and financial impact that that causes. So if we love people enough, then we will figure out how to make this work because they need it. 
Oh. And that has been what we have driven the, the company with for six years. So good. That, that is gold. So Lynn, break down a few things I heard. If I'm going to break down, quote unquote, your secret sauce, I hear learn marketing, learn, mm -hmm. learn how to grow, learn how to scale your message and, and reach more people. Mm -hmm. As importantly, if not more importantly, learn your why. Mm -hmm. Get really clear on your purpose because when it's hard and when it gets more difficult, not if, you can have the perseverance to push through and to continue to scale and grow. Otherwise, it's just not worth it. And like I, I like to say a lot of times, the bigger and clearer the vision of tomorrow, the greater our ability to sustain the frustration of today. And so if our vision isn't clear, isn't big, doesn't pull us, doesn't stretch us, then man, then the growth pains or relationship pains or all the stuff that we go through as we lead businesses, it's just not worth it. So I hear great marketing, know your purpose. And then I heard you say, really invest in relationships. Work with the people that you're, that you are working with, make sure that there's a great cohesion. There has to be, if you're scaling from four to 75 people, if you don't invest in people and relationships, you're not going to go from four to 75. And if you do, it won't last very long and you're on a great trajectory. So I love those nuggets that you shared. Let's, let's transition a little bit to the relationship side as we started. Yeah. When it comes to business and relationships, I'm curious from your experience and everything you've seen, how have you seen powerful relationships translate into powerful leadership? Mm -hmm. So let me give some, some background as to what makes healthy relationships before I answer that question. Great, great. And I'm also going to kind of flip it and talk about why people divorce. So again, for those of you listening and you're thinking, I'm leading a business or I'm not married, <laughs> let's just replace the word divorce with why people want to leave a relationship. And that right. could be a dating or a work relationship or any kind of relationship. Why do people want to leave? When we look at the research from the University of Washington, which is where Dr. John Gottman, leader in marriage and divorce research over the past 40 years, he's done most of his work there. What he found over years of research is people want to leave a relationship for one of three reasons. They don't feel liked, they don't feel loved, or they don't feel respected. Hmm. It's one of those three things. All of the other things people say they want to leave by, if we're talking about a marriage, a lot of times people say it's communication or finances or parenting differences or money issues or whatever. And it, it, those are all just symptoms. Right. At work, it can look like I'm not getting paid enough or you're not giving me more responsibility or maybe I just simply found something that I think I would enjoy better. Well, the core of it is if someone feels liked, loved and respected, they're going to feel more attachment to the relationship that they're in. Hmm. And so when we look at that part of it, beginning to ask ourselves in all of the relationships, what am I doing that is showing the other person? my kids, my spouse, my coworker, that I like, love, and respect them? Wow. Or is it looking like I, I don't like them? I'm constantly berating them. I'm constantly showing them or telling them what they've done wrong, how they need to do better. Hmm. I mean, these are things where when we start to just flip that and look inward, another way we say it at Marriage Helper is people are attracted to, to those that evoke emotions within us that we enjoy feeling. Hmm. I and like that. Isn't it? It's a great word picture. Like, am I evoking emotions within someone that they are enjoy feeling? Because mm. guess what? When we're dating, again, I'm taking it back to, to uh, marriage. When we date, we typically evoke all of the good emotions, right? Like, right, right. Esmond and I were dating. He was, oh, he opened my door 
all the time. I don't think I touched a door handle for the 10 months that we were dating. And he was sending me flowers. He was calling me every night, all of the things. I felt cherished, pursued, loved, all of it. And it's common in most in most relationships. And then I don't know what is in the wedding cake, but when people <laughs> get married, we then start to just look differently at the person and say, you know what? You need to do that differently. Or mm. I don't like the way that looks on you. Or why do you never get around to taking out the trash? Or do you know if you said that differently on the phone, the other person? I mean, this is, it is natural. Yeah. We, we do this. But guess what? Those don't evoke emotions within the other person that they like to feel. And so if we even just start there and ask ourselves, hey, am I the kind of person that is evoking emotions within others that's helping them feel edified, supported, uplifted, liked, loved, respected? Mm. And if that starts in our marriage, it's going to translate to our kids. It's going to translate to our coworkers, those that we get to lead, because it changes us fundamentally. Wow. That is mic drop moment there. That that was so good. I'm so glad you paused and went back on that to further define relationships and, and commonalities and patterns that you've seen both experientially as well, just through the data and the research that's out there. Thank you. Because I'm sure many that are listening haven't seen that data. And But it's so simple, right? Like you listen and you go, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yet maybe simple to co- comprehend, but to actually apply that, that's a, that's a little different story, right? <laughs> It is. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing that. So, so if I'm hearing you, based on what you shared, I'm going to re-ask the question and I'm going to do my best to answer based on what you just taught me. Okay. So the, the question I asked was from your experience, how have you seen powerful relationships translate into powerful leadership? What I hear you say is relationships, they, I mean, whether we quote unquote lead the person or not, it's all about how we help them feel liked, loved, and appreciated. And that has everything to do with personal and professional relationships. Now, love is obvious. How you show love in a work relationship in an appropriate way is still there. People still need to feel valued and still feel need, still need to feel that they're respected and that they're in that place where they feel that they're not just a number, that they're not just someone pushing buttons, but they actually are a human being with a voice. And so what I hear you saying is understand the dynamics of relationships and what makes relationships great, whether you're at home or not, and you'll be a great leader with those principles. Now, I know I put tons of words in your mouth and I wasn't near as eloquent as you, but I just, I, I hear you simplifying in a way that is really refreshing. So what else would you add from my elementary answer there? <laughs> I love it. No, Jeff, I love it. So can I share one of our frameworks that we use at Marriage Helper? Please. Okay. So one of the things that we talk about is that there is a love path. It's it, That's what we call it, a love path. There is a process to falling in love. If you follow this path, then you will fall in love and keep falling in love. If you stop following this path, then you can fall out of love, even if you don't mean to. And all of this is based in research. There's four stages of this love path. Now, I'm going to go through it. And I'm going to give some different examples, but this love path can be applied to business just as it, as it applies to a marriage relationship. I love it. And so remember, the, just real quick, remember I told you earlier on, get ready to write. Right. <laughs> uh, this is one of those moments. I'm, I'm all in. Go for it. 
which just so the listeners know, I listen to this podcast too, and I do it when I'm working out. Here's my, here's my tip. I pull up the notes app on my phone. And then just when I hear something, I just pause and then I go and type in what I heard. And then I just keep working. Super smart. Super smart. I love that. (laughs) Okay. So the love path, the first stage or step of the love path is what we call attraction. We are typically attracted to someone first, but it's not just physically, although physical is a part of attraction, but there's actually four components to attraction. We call it the pies of attraction Hmm. because it's P-I-E-S. There's physical attraction, intellectual attraction, emotional attraction, and spiritual attraction. Now, what do those break down into quickly? So physical is in a in a dating relationship, I mean, this is pretty clear. Am I physically attracted to you? Are you right. aesthetically, is there something about you that catches my eye and draws me closer to you? In a work relationship, it, it's, is this physically, are they providing for my needs? Is it an attractive place I want to work? Intellectually, when we're looking at a relationship, it's, is this a person that I can have conversation with and it excites me? Hmm. Do we have enough shared interests that, that we can hold on to a conversation that I want to come home and talk to them every night, but also enough different interests that we continue to learn from each other. So at work, this could be, how are you continuing, as, an, as, an, as a leader, how are you continuing to intellectually stimulate the people that are working under you, providing training and learning and all those things? Love it. Emotional attraction is what I talked about a minute ago with, am I evoking a positive emotions within others that they enjoy feeling? Hmm. This is the number one part of attraction. And most people don't even realize it's part of it. Interesting. You could be the most beautiful supermodel or the most ripped weightlifter. Like me. Oh, wait. Just like Sorry. you. <laughs> like you. But if you treat other people like crap, no one wants to be around you. Amazing. It is absolutely key. So emotional attraction in a workplace. Is this a place that fosters growth and encouragement and support and sees the growth path in people and helping them get there? And that's what's going to keep them around. That's what's going to make them want to stay. And then spiritual attraction in our relationships, we are typically attracted to people who have similar beliefs and values as we do. Hmm. At work, this goes to the core values. Right. We attract, at Marriage Helper, we attract people who live in line with our core values or we don't hire them because they're not going to stick around. It's not Hmm. going to be a place that they stay attracted to for long because we are very driven by our values. And so this is just stage one. This is just attraction. Attraction is what leads us to want to grow closer to another person. And even when we think about that in our business, when our our team members are attracted to the organization, then they're going to want to move closer. They're going to want to give their all. They're they're going to want to see their future there. And it's important for retention. Totally. And so it's so key. So, okay. So this is stage one. This is stage one. And this is pies under stage one of physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, all of those relevant to the workplace as well, as you just geniusly said, Hey, here's how it works there. I think it's awesome. Okay. Now what's stage two, by the way, that in and of itself, I feel like there's so much value in this podcast. I'm like, Oh, that is so good. I want to apply all of those right now. And I want to remind my kids who I tell all the time, kindness is cool. It's really cool to be kind. And that's how the emotions we evoke, we we evoke in others. I, I love that. Okay. So stage two. Stage two is acceptance. So once I become attracted to someone, want to move closer, then the question I have to ask myself as I learn more about them is, can I accept this person 
for who they are without trying to change them. Now, that's going to be interesting in a minute when we talk about what it looks like in, in business. But when it comes to our relationships, the only person that I can control is myself. I have tried to control my husband. It does not work. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good on the other side. But we don't want that. In our marriage relationship, now this is where it's going to be different than every other relationship. We, well, let me take that back. It's not necessarily different, but it's more important this way mm-hmm. in this relationship. My husband and I need to treat each other as partners, as equals. We are together. We are a team and we need to see that each, when we're, even when we're fighting, even when we don't agree, he is not my enemy. I am not his enemy. Mm. We are on the same team. We have the same goals. So can I accept him even when we disagree? Can I accept him even when he does something I don't like? Can I still accept him and love him for who he is? Bottom line. So that's what acceptance is. Even when hard stuff comes up, can I still learn to forgive, to accept? Now, this doesn't mean that you push things under the rug and don't work through them. You absolutely do. But I think what we've lost in our culture is acceptance. Yeah. It has become a culture of if you don't agree, that must mean you don't accept. And that's not it. You can respect and accept another person who has completely different beliefs and values than yours. And you can still have a relationship with them. And that's, that's okay. Now, how does this work in a business relationship? Because in business, especially in leadership, when you're, when sometimes people do need to change, they do need to, to be coached into something. Right. But how do we approach that? Is it from this way of you're not good enough now? And so you have to change because that that's defeating. That pushes people away. Right. Or is it from this stance of I see your potential. I see what your giftedness is. I see what you can grow into. And I accept you for where you are now. But I'm also not just going to leave you there. So how can we work together as a team to get you to where you need to go? Love it. And that's what acceptance looks like in leadership. So good. So good. Okay. So attraction is up. Acceptance. Stage, yeah, stage three. Stage three is attachment. The Mm. bottom line of attachment, because I could go into attachment theory and all the fun stuff that goes with that, which I I totally geek out on. But (laughs) attachment at its core is I will be there for you no matter what. Wow. No matter what. Mm. And that's powerful. Mm -hmm. And so in our relationships and our in our marriage relationships, this this is key. I mean, do I actually show my husband that I love him by being there when he needs me. Hmm. And sometimes that's just sitting there. Sometimes that is giving that listening ear and giving some of my support and advice. Some, I mean, it can look different. Another thing, Jeff, another way I love to explain this is my husband and I adopted our, our two kids from India. And when we first brought them home, our son, who was two, had never really been held. They didn't hmm. want to hold him at the orphanage. And he did not trust anyone. He had trusted men more than women. He really didn't trust me. Mm. And, and so I had, for, for three months, he would not look me in the eye wow. because he didn't trust me. He did not believe that I would be there for him no matter what, because mm. no one ever had been. Mm. And so the way I got him to trust me, it was consistency over time. And even just the smallest things, I would take Cheerios to feed him and just hold them in front of my eye to get him to look at me just for a split second 
so he could see, I am going to give you what you need. And it was doing that consistently for three months that he finally was able to hold eye contact with me. And then he was able to mimic my facial expressions. And then he wouldn't push me away when I actually tried to hold him. Oh. And and it's this picture of the way you build attachment and show other people that you'll be there for them is in the small things done consistently over time when the person needs you and you show up the way you say you're going to show up. So good. Oh my gosh, that is so good. A quick plug that's interesting. When we teach the foundation of trust through the triangle of trust, there mm -hmm. are three prongs to it. Vulnerability, transparency, and consistency. Mm -hmm. And you're nailing the third part of, of how we build that trust over time through behaving in a consistent way through authenticity. That's just beautiful. I love that. I love how it translates to your marriage, to parenthood, to leadership, to relationships. Hey, maybe that's what we're talking about relationships in general, because it doesn't really matter where the hat that we're wearing. They, it all matters just in, in different walks of life and different paths. So, wow. Okay. So that, that was super strong. So we've got stage four now. Share, share what, what, what the fourth one is. I have a feeling it's going to start with an A. It, you are correct. Uh, yeah. Not the smartest person here, but I, I got that. All right. Okay. So what's, what's the fourth one? The fourth one is aspiration. So hmm. you alluded to this earlier and I got this huge grin on my face and almost said something then. But aspiration is in, in marriage. It's the one that most marriages never grasp. They never get there. But when they do, it can actually make their marriage more satisfying and stronger than ever before. Because aspiration is this. Do you have a vision for your relationship? Mm. Something you want to do together, something that you can look towards when times get hard and it's going to bring you together because the world is going to try and tear you apart. Totally. The busyness of life is going to tear you apart. What are you doing in your relationship? What are you doing in your marriage that you're constantly looking forward together and that's bringing you back together? So this could be wanting to retire in the Swiss Alps one day. Mm -hmm. It could be wanting to fund orphanages in India. It could be just wanting to go camping every weekend as a family because it's something you enjoy doing. Yeah. But it's what is the vision for your family, for your marriage? What are things you're passionate about that you can do together? And it doesn't have to be everything, but it needs to at least be one thing. And do that consistently. Now, you mentioned this earlier about the people on our teams because when we can give them a vision, of where they can go, when we can cast the vision for them of how the organization. So, so at Marriage Helper, this is, I mean, we, this is so innately built into what we do because the vision of Marriage Helper and what we do, our mission, the people who come to us buy into that and they see the future. Mm. And then when we have the conflicts at work and the, the little dramas that happen, we can so easily come back and say, but what's the best for the vision? Yeah. And everyone can realign around that. And then the things that seem so big in the moment are no longer even that big of a deal because you have to focus on the mission. You totally. see you're going somewhere bigger. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. So for those that are writing notes, you've got it. But those that aren't and might have a brain a little bit like mine, I'm going to review the four A's. I remember three of them. I can't remember the second one. So here we are. For, we're all learning together. First one is attraction with the pies underneath that, which I think was great. I think I got so enamored with pies that I forgot what's the second one, but I, yeah. what's the second one again? Second acceptance. acceptance, then attachment, then aspiration. Okay. Got it. Acceptance is the one that I missed. Maybe, maybe there's a Freudian 
reason for that. <laughs> Just kidding. No, I think that's great. I, I, I love how, how well these translate regardless of the role that we're playing because relationships are universal. Whether we're at work or whether we're not, I just think it's so powerful. I do want to dig into one other aspect that I love hearing from you. I hear clarity. I hear confidence. I hear conviction. I hear you knowing how to lead from your place of strength. And I'm particularly intrigued that how you lead in a very male-dominated world that frankly bothers me. I love that you are a female CEO. I love that you are leading from that place powerfully and confidently and, and consistently help me for, for those that, um, might be listening and, and might either be frustrated that there are so many men leaders or are aspiring female leaders wanting to learn how to find their voice in leadership. What have you done in, in how you've led to lead from a place of power and confidence as a female in a very male dominated world that again, bothers me, but you have. It seems like it doesn't bother you because you just show up powerfully. Teach me, teach us and those that are listening, what have you done to do that? And how have you kind of found your stride as a leader? When we, when you were asking me about this earlier, you said that this might be something you asked. And I thought, gosh, like, what can I even say about it? Because I, for me, I'm just going to be completely vulnerable and open with you. Beautiful. It probably hasn't been until the last two to three years that I have trusted my voice. Mm. And there, there was a, there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it going back to some things that occurred to me during childhood, a person in my life who said and did things towards me that they shouldn't have done. But when I spoke up about it, no one believed me. Mm. And that I held that for a long time and thought I must be wrong. Wow. And it wasn't until I, I honestly, it wasn't until I was ready to face those demons and actually like go to therapy and do some EMDR to go back to that time wow. and work through it, that, that a lot of things came to light for me. And I realized I wasn't wrong. Mm. Like I, I, what I said was right. What happened to me was not right. And I can trust myself. I can trust my intuition. I can, I can crave to have discernment and, and trust to be led in that way. I'm not always going to have it right. I, mm -hmm. I mean, don't hear, don't hear me say that either. But I think there's this healthy balance of knowing when to trust yourself and knowing when to dig in and get the wisdom and advice from, from, a, from a support group, from advisors. And, and that's what I have tried to figure out how to do well. Wow. When do I trust myself? When do I, and how do I surround myself with people who believe in me? Mm -hmm. And and will push me yeah. to trust myself and to do what's best for the for the organization and for the mission. And so that is how I've done it. I, I have never seen men as the enemy. And so it's never bothered me that there's been so many male CEOs. In mm -hmm. fact, I try and lean in and learn from from their experiences. Mm -hmm. But then I also want to empower other women to trust themselves. Yes. We, we can lead well. And we actually have some innate parts of us, our empathy and, and some things that just come a little more naturally to some women than to some men that can make us exceptional leaders in our totally, own way. Totally. Just as well as men are great leaders in their own way. So I don't see it as a competition. I try and see it more as a collaboration. Yes. Wow. 
Oh man, I'm, I'm so glad I asked that question. And I am so grateful you had the courage to face the demons. Mm. We all have them and they show up in different forms and fashions, but the, the sooner we can be clear and calm with our past, Mm-hmm. I believe the more powerfully we can lead in our present and our future, regardless of gender, regardless of sexual orientation, regardless of race, regardless of religion, whatever it is, because we put those stories in our minds to tell us why we can't do certain things. And it's just not true. We just, but we have to work through it. And it is not easy work. Interestingly, I coach CEOs around the world, 70% of them are male. And it'd be easy to assume, oh, because they're CEOs and they're in multi-billion dollar companies and blah, 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 blah. All the reasons why they should succeed, that they should be really confident. Guess what? Many of us are scared little boys as well. And yet we look at somebody else and we think they've got it all figured out. Inside, very often we're, we're screaming, we're freaking out. And we hope that nobody figures out that we're a fraud, right? <laughs> it's just that that happens. Now, how we choose to respond to those doubts and those concerns and those, and those insecurities is totally up to us. And it's really gender ag- agnostic. It's finding our voice, understanding our purpose, understanding our core values, and then authentically leading and humbly learning from anyone. I love that you added that at the end too. It's not a battle between gender. It's not, it's not, it's just learning how to be better and leaning into your strengths and asking people for help and for advice and surrounding yourself with great people. So, wow, I love that. And I, I love your energy and I love the power that you show up with to help and bless the lives of other people. It's super super inspiring. Thank you. It's, I wish we could talk so much more. Honestly, Jeff, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to do what I do and I'm, I'm thankful for it. And also realize that it, it's, there is a team that makes it happen. There's, there's, (laughs) it's amazing to be able to empower other people to come up and, and rise alongside of it to see Mm. it for the good of the mission. But thank you. Thank you for having me. And I, I really hope that the listeners take this, apply some of these things into their own relationships, into their, into their business and begin to see, see amazing change from it because that's, that's the goal. I'm so with you. So listeners, my friends, my leaders, my, my awesome people listening, what will you do? What one action will you take? How will you change just a little bit, maybe a lot bit, depending on who you are and what you want to do. But we invite you together do something different, write it down and take action and let us know how that goes. So seriously, Kimberly, thank you. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, wants to learn more, where can our listeners connect with you uh, after is to find you? Great. You can go to marriagehelper.com and see everything we do there. We also have a very vibrant YouTube channel at youtube.com slash marriagehelper, as well as relationship podcasts. So we have one called Relationship Radio, where we're talking about marriage issues. And then I have one called It Starts With Attraction, where I talk about those pies, the P-I-E-S, in different episodes every single week. And so you can just add that in to listen to it right after Ready to Lead every week. <laughs> Got to get that dose first, and then you can get this next. So you can find us at all those places. That's awesome. Kimberly, thank you again. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And Kimberly, thank your team for us as well. I know it requires a team for you to be able to invest time to do things like this. And if it weren't for them, you wouldn't be able to be here at the same time. Thank you for leading them in such a way that they're running with the business so that you can take time away to help bless and inspire millions of people that will be listening to this. So 
Thank you again, everybody. Thank you for implementing. Thank you for changing. Thank you for practicing every day how to be ready to lead. That's our goal, to help everybody to feel ready to lead because every day it's a new summitless mountain that we're trying to climb. Can be daunting, can be discouraging, but doesn't have to be if we apply what we're learning together in this community. So thank you, everybody. Have an awesome day. We look forward to hearing from you and with you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Ready to Lead show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to stay updated on the release of new episodes, be sure to hit that follow button. And Jeff and Richard, they want to hear from you. If there's an episode topic you'd like to hear them dive into, or something about today's episode that was a big breakthrough, or maybe even something you disagree with, they want to know, send them an email at feedback at readytolead.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We'll see you on the next one.